Since I'm working on the third book in the Mask of the Gods series for National Novel Writing Month, I thought I would share one of my more bizarre insights in series work, and that's that every book in a series is a remake of the previous one. And I don't mean that probably the way that you think I do, but we'll talk about that on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. Especially if you're reading my latest book, Crucify My Love, which happens to be book one in the Mask of the Gods series. And yeah, book one, because I'm writing book three, and book two is written and will be coming out early next year. Very excited. And then I go do the sci-fi thing for a little bit, and then other projects, and I have so many books I want to write. But yeah, today I want to talk about why I feel like every work in a series is a remake of the previous work. But before we get into all that, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, the bigger the community, the better the chance we get to communicate with each other. And that is, after all, why I do this podcast in the first place. So thank you to everybody who's already done that. So why do I say that every book in a series is a remake of the work that came before it? Because it is. Whether it's because of the time differential between you going back and revisiting those characters, or because it is a book that may encounter an entirely new audience because people don't always start on book one, that is a thing that happens and we, we as creative people need to remember that. When you are going in to making a second, third, fourth, whatever book in a series, you have to realize that you have been tainted by not only your experience writing the previous stories, but maybe reactions you got from beta readers or editors, how maybe fans and readers have reacted to the book, maybe your own reflections on the story after the fact. And so when you go back to write that book, that follow-up, that second, third, whatever, in the series, each time you go back to revisit those characters, that setting, that world, you're not actually going back to the same world that you left behind. You're not going back to the same scenario. You're not going back with the same mindset. And so one of the first things that you have to do is be able to recreate that mindset, that world, that mood, that setting for the readers. And yes, it needs to be familiar enough for those who are coming in from the previous book, but at the same time, it has to be fresh enough that people coming in from that previous book are not going to be like, oh, again? And so when you approach the story, whether you do it consciously or unconsciously, for me, this was an unconscious thing until I started work 
on um, Glorify My Name, which is, like I said, is book three. I kind of noticed this a little bit after I finished writing the second book, but it was even more uh, pronounced when I started work on the third book because each book in the series adds to the characterization. It adds to the world building. And so by the time I started work on the third book in this series, it was both easier for me to enter the mind of the characters because I have already spent two books with them. And in some ways harder because I had all of these thoughts of not only what had happened in the previous two books, but what in my mind happened in the interim between books. And so I needed to find an in that would key characters, the characters in such a way that the audience who had just finished Sanctify My Sins would not feel that the characters were in a markedly different place. Because in so many ways, it is a complete and total remake. The characters are not the same people they were in book one, and they're definitely not the same characters they were in book two, because the events of those stories changed them. Now, that's important for me to know, but it's also important for me, and thus any creative person who happens to be taking on a task like this, to remember the fundamentals of that character and what made people interested in them in the first place, because those things really shouldn't be able to change, while their attitudes can and should, as well as their knowledge of the world and their understanding of exactly what's going on around them, will evolve over the series, there are certain traits that we have given these characters that they need to hold on to so that they stay recognizable as the characters that they are. And that can be tricky. And that's one of the reasons I have adopted this language that every work is a remake. Because it's not a reboot. If it was a reboot, so much more would change between the characters, the setting, and what have you. Because that's the purpose of a reboot, is to reimagine the characters, the story, and to basically tell the same story again. Now, I will say that for some mystery series that I've absolutely loved, every book is a reboot. Because it's essentially the same story but reimagined in a slightly different situation. But that's more of a convention of the mystery genre, where, you know, somebody's going to get murdered, and we're going to put the character in this other place, and that's going to cause them to have to act and react and do things differently because of where they're at. Blah, 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 blah. And in so many ways, I kind of feel like when I'm reading mystery stories that especially a mystery series, that the, char- the, the stories themselves are more reboots from book to book because, well, they're going to highlight and sometimes even forget elements of backstory that we learned about characters in previous books because they don't matter for the story at hand. Now, some, fan- some mystery writers are better at that than others, and some really try hard to keep that consistency from book to book to book. And I'm not saying that this is true of all fantasy, I'm sorry, of all mystery writers, but it's just, it's been my experience more than less. 
But when you think about a remake, you have to think about what you're doing because you're not trying to reimagine so much. You're trying to make the story relevant given the current situation. And when you look at the elements of genre that make genre genre, a lot of times, unless you're telling a full-on straight-on series where the events bleed one from the next to the next, sometimes you are just retelling the original story where hero gets a quest, hero goes out, performs the quest, hero comes home. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you're thinking of the work that you're doing as a remake, and I really do like that terminology, though I can see how other people might not, when you think about the work that you're doing as a remake, it forces you to reconsider decisions that you made in previous stories and whether or not elements that you put into the world, into the story, into the characters, continue to make sense. The issues that you gave them in book one may have either been resolved in book one or have taken on a completely different flavor by the time you get to book two. So what does that character look like now? Maybe you have learned more about cognitive science or about behavioral issues, and that affects how you want to think about how these characters act. Maybe you've had a breakthrough in your own depression, and that has changed the way you see the depressive state of one of the characters in the book you're writing. Not that that, you know, affects my work at all, but okay, yeah, it does. But that's, that's not the point. You will learn so much from the process of writing. You will learn so much outside the process of writing that will then bleed back into your writing. That once you make yourself conscious of the fact that you are doing this remake process, it reminds you of the elements that have to stay the same, that have to feel right. Because even though the settings, like from book one to book two, from Sans to Sarnoth, and yes, it was an accident that both cities start with an S, that wasn't something that I meant to do, but it was something that I did do. Between the two settings, they couldn't be different. The nature of the stories couldn't be different. The basic elements of the story have to all be there. I have to remake these characters and this setting in this world in a way that is not only recognizable, but will continue to thrill readers who liked the first book. And that is a challenge. So why is it I can hear the fictitious reader inside of my head say, that you like this term remake instead of just simply saying that every book is different. I like the term remake because of what it makes me conscious of during the process of preparing to do a, a continuation of a series. When, as I've said before, a remake needs to recapture the feel and the look of the previous iteration of it. When you do a remake, as opposed to a reboot, remember, reboots can completely reimagine everything. So you can do a reboot of Hamlet and have Hamlet take place in space, 
But if you're doing a remake of Hamlet, you may be updating the language so that it's not in that Elizabethan English, so it's a little bit easier to understand for a modern reader. But you're still probably going to make him the Prince of Denmark because you're not completely reimagining the story. You understand what I'm saying? So, in carrying that mindset forward, it puts hard limits on what I'm allowed to do. It also reinforces the importance of what I am doing. The story is changing. The story is evolving. The story is ever-growing. But you don't want to get to a place where by the time you get to, say, the third, fourth, or fifth book in a series, it no longer feels recognizable as the series that you had been reading. Because that's one of the things that causes people like me to lose interest. This is why I had a hard time with the Sword of Truth series. By the time you get to, I think, about the fourth book for me, it no longer felt like the series that I had gotten into. The characters had changed. The setting had changed. And I'm not opposed to that, but it lost quite a bit of its original feel. It lost too much. It was too different. It was no longer the series that I was interested in, and so I couldn't push myself to keep reading as much as I wanted to. And that's what you have to watch out for. Remakes capture the spirit of the original work. A reboot is allowed to change it as much as it wants. If we're going to keep readers interested in and a series that could go on for who knows how long, it needs to maintain certain elements and certain qualities so that each book is recognizable as the series that it is without becoming, you know, a 1980s television series where everything basically gets reset at the end and we go on and do the same thing over again in the next episode. It's about finding that sweet spot. It's about finding that hope, that heart, that thing that makes a series what it is. And because I feel that media is sometimes easier to see these things in because of the high contrast of something existing in video form rather than words on a page, this is where I would go to a series like Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine is the same series from episode one all the way to the end of season seven. It, it maintains itself. It maintains its focus. It man maintains its feel as a series, even through the events that happen, with Odo finding out who he is and having to deal with that with the Dominion War and everything that happens there, with the drastic changes that happen to the character of Nog because of his PTSD and his experience in the Dominion War, to the fact that one of our main characters gets recast by dying and coming back because of sexual harassment issues, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, yeah. It's a show that changes. But the heart of it, the thing that made it what it was, stayed the same through the entire series. You can feel that heart of Deep Space Nine, the core characters, their relationship to each other. Even when they bring in Ezri Dax, while, De While Ezri is a very different character from Jadzia, that relationship that she has with Ben 
and the other characters is still there, but modified because of the change, the drastic change that has happened to her character. Now you can compare that with, let's just go to Enterprise, which is where this is also in such high relief. Season one of Enterprise was not as popular as they wanted it to do, to be. So they literally rebooted it for the second season. Relationships between the characters changed. Sometimes entire characters were revamped and became very different and almost unrecognizable in personality and in the way they act from the characters that existed before. And they do that again in season three and again in season four. The series, by the time you get to the end, by the time you get to season four of Enterprise, Flox is kind of the same character that we met in the first season. Merriweather a little bit. But all of the other characters have gone through such drastic and dramatic change through the reboot. And the setting itself has gone through such drastic and dramatic changes through each of the successive season reboots that it's not the same show. It's not the same series that it started out with. And that is a fairly jarring experience. Now, for Enterprise, that's an experience that unfortunately worked too late because season four is the best season. They finally figured out what the show should have been by the time you get to season four. But it hadn't attracted an audience and it ended up being the last season. And then you get that really horrible final episode. But we won't talk about that. (laughs) As, As series finales go, wow, that was a bad one. But you can, if you've ever seen either of those series, and since my Star Trek episodes are as popular as they are with y'all, I have a feeling that a lot of the people listening to me have seen at least some of those different Star Trek series. You can see what I'm talking about. Every episode of Deep Space Nine is a remake, even when they're making these drastic changes to the characters. While Odo goes through a lot of very dramatic character changes from season one through season seven, the core of what makes Odo Odo, his desire for order, his lack of comfort in social environments and what have you, don't change. Odo is recognizably Odo, Kira is recognizably Kira, all of the characters are recognizable and are further developed versions of the characters from earlier seasons. They kept that thing that was their heart. And that's what all remakes have to do. And that's why I like that term. Reboot could be anything. Reboot can take characters and... For goodness sakes, there's a comic book running right now that turned Batman into a vampire and Joker into Van Helsing. Because they could. And they're doing that. But that's not a remake they can diverge from who the characters are in that circumstance and so they can make characters that are marginally recognizable as the characters that we're used to but you and I as we work on our series because let's face it we're all working on series because series are what people are into and let's be honest series are what we are into so that's what we're doing So keep track of the heart of each of your characters. Keep track of what it is that makes you love each and every one of your characters. And no matter how much change they go through, that 
needs to remain. That needs to stay there and be a constant part of them so that the world and the characters will be recognizable and you won't accidentally lose your audience because through character development, you took the characters and the setting into a different place than people originally signed up for and they no longer care. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you haven't already, please take a moment to rate rate it in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, especially if you're doing National Novel Writing Month and you would like to have your experience included in our weekly Friday NaNoWriMo recap wrap-up episodes, you can go to the show notes, click on the voice message link, and leave me a voice message. Keep it short, keep it clean, so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you, and I would really love to include your stories in with my own. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I am C.E. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. If you'd like to help me out greatly and join the project, you can do so either by joining the project through Patreon or through the listener support system. You can find links to both of those in the show notes as well. Thank you to everybody who does that. And if you don't have any money right now, or you just don't feel like joining, that's fine. That's perfectly all right. But if you know somebody you think would like the work that I'm doing, please do share it with them. That helps out a lot too. I support myself and my work through the money that I make off the podcast, the books, and Patreon. So any, you know, any help you can give would be hot. I'd, I'd love it. No pressure. <laughs> I really, I really mean that. No pressure. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting to say something. So Friday, we're going to be doing our recap for the week. I don't know how long the episodes are going to be. It may be longer. I'm not really going to be trying to keep within the 22 minute time frame for them. So be warned, but I'm excited. I hope you're having fun. I hope you're getting all the words written and whatever else. Just don't forget to have that fun. 